Story 3, The Erasure Game, by Yoon Ha Lee. Looking back, Kimmy Chang would say the candy bar wrappers changed everything. But if she thought hard about it, it went back further. Beyond the watchers in the darkness, beyond the other game, beyond the people who hadn't seen what she saw, it went all the way back to the dailies she woke to each morning this election year. On this particular morning in early spring, Kimmy had hoped to sleep in rather than meeting her friends for their usual walk, when the daily from her phone in its cheerful purple case prodded her awake. Good morning, Kimmy, a warm contralto. On her screen appeared the presidential candidate, her friend Gray called the dragon, too good to be anything but a myth, who spoke to Kimmy every Tuesday, as per the equal time clause. I know you're not old enough to vote yet, but a year goes by very quickly. I wanted to express my appreciation of your household's involvement with the community. Your community's game scores for civic engagement are especially impressive. And I've noticed that your personal scores in the neighborhood live action games are higher this week. Keep it up, and Kimmy didn't like the way the dragon singled out her game playing. She was a backstabber in the live action games, with a knack for charming her targets. That was her strategy, playing as an assassin. Kimmy didn't play like everyone else, and she didn't think that was worth any plaudits, which was partly why she played the way she did. It weirded her out that the dragon kept track of her specifically, even praised her for this. But she knew the dragon spoke to everyone like this, and most people even liked it. Her roommate Mari, for one. Kimmy tuned out the dragon's velvety voice as she ran a brush through her shoulder-length brown hair. As a child, she'd longed for midnight black hair, like her Asian-descended mother's, to match the dark eyes she'd inherited. Both Gray and Mari had convinced her there was nothing wrong with her appearance, one of the few things the two agreed on. Bright-haired Mari had already showered and was pulling on a sleek gray jacket for her morning run. I thought I was going to have to wake you up, Mari teased. The household could use a bigger health rebate, you know. Thanks for the reminder, Kimmy lied. It wasn't that she objected to the act of running. She just hated the way her phone automatically logged her hours for the benefit of her household. Couldn't she have just one thing all to herself? Greedy as it was. She wouldn't dare distress Mari by admitting that she sometimes cheated on the self-reports. She'd learned hacks to get around them from Gray. See you at school? I'm guessing you already grabbed breakfast. You know me so well. Mari said with a wry smile. They'd been roommates since they were 12. Kimmy didn't always agree with Mari, but they got along more or less, even if Mari didn't approve of Gray. Mari would never mention it, but it had been driving a wedge between them this past year. Mari left. Kimmy sauntered to the shower, lingering so that she'd miss her running buddy's texts. 
she'd tell them that she'd overslept. Guilt pricked at her. They weren't bad people. She just was tired of everyone talking about the upcoming elections. If she had to put up with that chatter first thing in the morning, she was going to scream. Kimmy decided to avoid the park that her running buddies frequented, and instead headed in the opposite direction. She'd get more exercise this way, even if she wasn't going to log it. Besides, there was no point when the scoring system changed every year as state officials fine-tuned it. Kimmy had gotten into her share of arguments about the game concerning whether the rule changes were unbalanced or written to produce state-approved outcomes over her individual wellness. She bit her tongue now because the squabbles would never end. Kimmy grabbed a hasty breakfast, oatmeal and a yogurt, which the household system also automatically logged. If not for Gray's complaints about privacy, she wouldn't even have noticed. Then she dashed out to meet Gray, hoping she wouldn't miss them. Lately, they'd been elusive, and she was getting spooked. Her phone insisted she'd received seven messages. None were from Gray. She dismissed the messages without reading. As she jogged down the street, she caught a flicker of motion out of the corner of her eye. Ms. Lara was waving from her wheelchair on a porch across the street. She must be on Sentinel this morning. Most Sentinels were elders. Their age gave them authority, and it was one of the less physically strenuous roles available. Ms. Lara preferred the job because it allowed her to say hello to everyone in the neighborhood. In addition to greeting people, Sentinels noted the activities of passersby, jogging, running errands, commuting. As a child, Kimmy had caught one of the house elders cross-referencing the Sentinels' observations against surveillance data and statistics that were turned in by the household. She'd pretended she didn't care, but for several years, she had nightmares about eyes in the dark watching everything she did. Even then, she'd known better than to tell anyone about the dreams. She was puffing by the time she reached the spot where she usually met Gray on the days they bothered to show up. Gray would have laughed at her. They could slack off for days on end, yet still run faster than her. Maybe she should pace herself better. Kimmy consoled herself with the fact that her exercising regularly would help her to be a productive, long-living citizen, or so the elders claimed. Gray wasn't there, and Kimmy began to worry. This was the fourth day they'd blown her off. Where was Gray? According to her classmates, Gray was tangled up with some of the unlicensed medics in Old Town. Maybe it was true, maybe it wasn't. She wished they'd trust her with it, whatever it was. Kimmy pulled out her phone to check her messages again. That was when she saw the wrappers. Shiny metallic candy bar wrappers were scattered all over the grass and in the patches of clover beyond, blown about by spring breezes. Kimmy didn't recognize them as candy bar wrappers at first. These days, they were rare in town. Now that the state rigorously tracked eating habits, 
banning processed foods from consumption. Gran Rosa fondly recalled the days when you could have a bowl of cereal with sugar and chocolate milk for dinner, if you felt like it. But she always said this with a furtive air. Kimmy couldn't see the appeal. But then she'd never had cereal or candy. To her, it was just one of those things elders grumbled about when they spoke of the way things used to be in the town, contemplating whether or not they should move to one of the states that hadn't passed gang legislation. Kimmy stared, baffled by the rappers. Who eats sweets these days? A few kids ordered the stuff online, but even then, prepackaged sweets weren't that popular. In a proper town, you gathered together on special occasions to make cupcakes or hamantashen or dolce de leche. Kimmy bent down to inspect the nearest wrapper. Why hasn't anyone tagged the site as needing cleanup? This is easy points. Little should be all over this. Chocolate dreams. The wrapper depicted an oozing chocolate bar along with text in a script Kimmy didn't recognize. She squinted at the wrapper and inhaled too deeply, gagging at the sickly sweet smell of caramel, chocolate, and marshmallow. Kimmy thought about tagging the site, inviting others to score some points. Hell, she could do it herself. But she was curious about the writing on the wrapper. Surely it wouldn't be so bad if she liberated just one for study. She'd always liked mysteries. It was what drew her to Gray. Stealthily, Kimmy scooped up a wrapper, brushed off the bugs, and stuffed it in her pocket. Gray might know something about this. They read up on the oddest things. I just have to find them. Kimmy didn't catch up with Gray until after school. She went to Gray's usual spot in the courtyard, a bench next to a bed of modified daffodils just starting to bloom, as though she were summoning Gray by force of will. She sprawled with book in hand, pretending to read while two teachers, Mix Blum, who was non-binary like Gray, and Mr. Green, discussed the national elections on a bench nearby. Seriously? Ms. Mond read unemployment statistics to you for 10 minutes? Mr. Green asked incredulously. Why didn't she just text you a chart? Ah, uh, yes, Ms. Mond, the dragon. Anyone can copy paste a chart, Mix Blum said in all earnestness. Hearing the candidate discuss the figures and statistical regressions on the other hand, Kimmy grinned. Of course, Mix Blum, the math and computers teacher, liked to talk numbers. The two teachers compared the dragon to their other favored candidates. Lopez has a strong science background, Mix Blum said. I'd rather have someone who knows a fact from a fable making decisions about environmental reclamation. Kimmy thought back to candidate Lopez's dailies, as far as she could tell, Lopez's real interest was in touting her fancy degrees. Besides, Lopez's platform concerning the environment, especially protecting coastal lands, 
didn't seem significantly different from the dragons. Meanwhile, Mr. Green liked Dr. Wynn because he has a face you can trust, which Kimmy thought was a terrible reason to vote for someone. He does have an excellent smile, Mix Blum said with a wink. Kimmy snickered into her hand. Mix Blum went on, but he's trying too hard to woo the older generation. And I have concerns about his plan not to force the control towns to join the game for their own good. As a little, Kimmy had thought the name was odd, considering that the control towns didn't follow the rules of the game, until someone explained that it came from the idea of experimental controls. The game improves health outcomes, Mix Blum said primly. It'd be unethical not to enforce participation. Yes, and then people move to states that don't have the game so they can escape all the surveillance, Mr. Green argued. Is that any better? Certainly, people already moved to Old Town for similar reasons. Due to some legal loophole, its inhabitants weren't required to participate in the game. Although officials collected baseline statistics when they could get the inhabitants to cooperate. People went there for unmonitored medical treatment. Kimmy knew a girl who'd gotten an abortion that she didn't want her household to know about. And an uncle who bought migraine meds through an old town pusher so his employer wouldn't find out. She'd considered looking for Gray there, but she hadn't yet worked up the courage to venture there on her own. Old Town was a whole different world, a glimpse of the vanished past. During Kimmy's great-grandparents' generation, people had lived in neighborhoods lacking sidewalks. They'd had liquor stores and vending machines, but nowhere to buy fresh produce. People had worked soul-crushing jobs that involved sitting at desks all day. Granted, not much had changed, but back then, people didn't receive breaks for walks or for yoga. There were no integrated gyms unless you worked at one of the more affluent companies, and you didn't earn rewards for your household the way you did today. She couldn't imagine how anyone could live that way. Kimmy listened in secret fascination whenever the elders talked about the old days. From a young age, She'd sensed that no one would approve if someone of her generation showed too much interest in the way things used to be, the way things still were in Old Town. Just as Kimmy let her eyes drift shut, a tap on the shoulder made her sit up so suddenly the blood rushed to her head. The book fell out of her grasp. That's not neighborly, she said, before realizing who it was. The tap had come from Gray, who'd gotten their nickname from the gray eyes they'd inherited from their father. The color was startlingly pale against their dark skin. Gray was all limbs. Their black hair curled ferociously in all directions. Kimmy wished her own hair had as much character. Gray's sweater had seen better days. Right now, it sported green stains and smelled of sweat and dirt. However, their jeans were spotless. Where have you been? She demanded violently. 
Kimmy resented the way Gray's housemates blamed her for Gray's absences. She lowered her voice. At this rate, they're going to send you to social rehabilitation. Gray's eyes sparkled with friendly malice. But Kimmy, don't you know it's for my own good? They let out a cackle. Kimmy rolled her eyes. Just because everyone said its purpose was to help people integrate with the community didn't mean that anyone went voluntarily. One of Gray's housemates, John, had spent a long year in social rehab after threatening his roommate with a kitchen knife. Gray insisted that John had been provoked, as if that excused the behavior. It was a sickness. Even today, Kimmy had difficulty talking to John. Oh, he seemed normal now, but the house elders must have sent him away for a reason. I have your assignments for you. Kimmy felt obliged to nudge Gray into catching up with their classwork, even though she knew it was futile. Gray was always slipping away to Old Town. If Kimmy was honest with herself, she loved their stories of the cantankerous characters who dwelled there from people who drank nothing but cocktails concocted from imported sodas, to the merfolk who swam in the tainted waters. She kept promising herself that she'd work up the courage to join them there. As much as the thought of interacting with old townies repulsed her. I'll bowl my way through it later, Gray said, as she'd known they would. I got something to show you, though. Right on cue, Mix Blum concluded their conversation with Mr. Green and headed toward the two of them. Gray, Mix Blum called out. It's nice to see you showing an interest. Gray snorted at the reproof in Mix Blum's voice. Kimmy frowned, wishing they would take the teacher seriously. Come on, Gray said as they broke into a run. Don't worry, Mix Blum, I'll make them do their work, Kimmy called out then sprinted after Gray. At least her phone would credit her for the running. Kimmy glanced over her shoulder. Mix Blum didn't pursue them, but she saw them making a notation in their phone. Kimmy suppressed a groan. Another report to Gray's household. She stumbled over a crack in the sidewalk. Gray had slowed their pace to allow her to catch up with them. At this hour, most adults were still at work. Other students out on strolls waved at them, while the sentinels they passed scowled. Word had gotten around. A few shouted after Gray to check in with their household, though they were going to report Gray's location to the elders anyway. At last, Kimmy and Gray reached another of their favorite spots, an oak tree at one of the local parks. Everyone knew Gray hung out here. The two of them couldn't linger. But Kimmy assumed Gray had a good reason for coming here, instead of getting lost as usual downtown amid university students and office workers who had too much on their minds to track a couple of stray teenagers. The town kept an eye on everyone, but there were gaps in the surveillance. Fortuitously, the oak partially blocked some of the Sentinel's views, Kimmy remembered how shocked she'd been as a little when Gray had explained this to her, then pleased that they'd shared the secret with her. 
It wasn't much of a secret, but as Gray liked to say, even small rebellions count for something. Over the years, Gray taught her how to slip out of sight, a skill that rendered her both thrilled and appalled at herself. Gray shared that they'd learned their tricks in, where else? Old Town. The town was an hour's drive from the Old Town, most of which had been submerged when the coastal waters rose. Some people still clung to existence there, having refused resettlement in the town proper. Others worked there, monitoring the wetlands and preserving the fisheries. Kimmy leaned against the tree's trunk, panting for breath. Gray was huffing as well. When they'd recovered, Gray pulled out a pocket knife and began to scrape the tree's bark. Kimmy raised her eyebrows. They weren't supposed to do that. Don't tell me you've been skipping class because you're busy defacing trees. Nope. I just wanted to keep track. I found some weird stuff here the other day. And now? Gray gestured for her to follow them. Curious, she did. They penetrated the park. With its cool shadows and desiccated curtains of Spanish moss, it wasn't long before they came across a patch of ground where more candy bar wrappers appeared, not far from benches and tables where littles were picnicking with their caretakers. None of them glanced toward the messy bouquets of wrappers. Hey, Gray shouted toward the picnickers, causing Kimmy to jump. You guys wanna pick this stuff up? Kimmy checked her phone as the head caretaker a pale woman with her hair dyed lavender, scowled at Gray. No one had tagged the wrappers as a cleanup job, which made no sense, since it was the kind of thing you wanted to get littles in the habit of doing. It was a perfect learning opportunity and easy points for their households. There's government business involved, the woman said, clearly uneasy. Leave that stuff alone. They'll dock your household for messing with it. Some kind of experiment. Kimmy started to laugh. Government business? Why would the government care? Unless someone was sabotaging a household so it wouldn't get paid when the health rebates came in. Gray wasn't laughing. Neither was the woman. Kimmy was baffled. Here, Kimmy said, I'll tag it and clean it up, since no one else was volunteering. It annoyed her to be stuck with the task. Dutifully, Kimmy snapped a pic. The phone filled in the location, type of chore, and how many points it was worth. Just in case, she added a preemptive claim on the task for herself, and by extension, her household. She hit enter. The confirmation came up red, then blinked at her. Everything, including the pick, disappeared. Kimmy bit down on a swear word, remembering that there were littles present. She tried again. Same result. What's going on? Hey, Gray said, tapping her shoulder. Let's get out of here. The unease in their voice perplexed her. There's some glitch in the system. Let me try again. Let's go, Grace said with more urgency. 
Kimmy scooped up one of the wrappers and shoved it in her pocket. They fled the park. No words were exchanged until they'd walked all the way by a circuitous route to a cafe downtown that had lax security, enabling people to eat and drink without worrying about affecting their household scores. Guilt nagged Kimmy as she ordered a chocolate croissant. Even though the occasional indulgence wasn't bad, this was the third time this week she'd had one, frequent enough to affect her household, and she didn't plan on letting the system log it. Guilt-free, Gray ordered only tea. Kimmy would have liked to have sat outside to enjoy the cool air, but Gray forestalled her. I don't want to get tagged by random people who have nothing better to do. They said, let's stay inside. So she followed Gray to a table in the corner, away from the windows, with a clear view of the street. Show me what's in your pockets, Gray said, once they'd both sat. Kimmy fished out the two wrappers. Both said, chocolate dreams. They had even been opened the same way. The seams pulled apart expertly at the ends. She pulled out her phone. Gray grabbed her wrist, fingers digging painfully into her flesh. Don't. She snatched her hand away with an effort. What's the big deal? I was just going to run a search. Then the search will be in the records. So? Kimmy couldn't see what the issue was. The household monitored searches in case anyone got involved in weird shit. Like that one kid who'd been caught sending pics of himself to a woman two decades too old for him. Gray closed her fingers over the wrappers. Put those away. There's something fishy going on with these wrappers because I've seen them a few other places and people keep behaving funny around them. I tried tagging them for cleanup too, and you can guess what happened. Now she was intrigued. Deleted from the system? Gray nodded. Someone's idea of a prank, she said. But she wasn't so sure, especially after the caretaker's words. The government? Really? Sometimes. I see someone strolling around town. Gray went on, almost in a whisper. They drive this black car and munch on those candy bars. My points slip every time I try to draw attention to them. Weird, huh? Kimmy's head was starting to hurt. You're imagining things. It's probably someone with bad taste in snacks. Their whispers were attracting attention, a cluster of students at the next table pointed at Gray. You need a proper meal. And if you're not going to buy something here, your blood sugar's gonna crash, Kimmy said. Let's get a bite to eat and play board games at my place. One of the students raised the camera to snap their picture. Gray got up, almost knocking their chair over before turning their back and heading for the door. Kimmy stumbled after them. Kimmy knew she had been babbling. The prospect of Gray being whisked away to social rehabilitation scared her. The household had already been flirting with the idea. The weirder Gray's stories got, the more she worried that Gray's elders would send them away and she would never see them again. Or worse, 
Ray would flee to Old Town, and she wouldn't be able to find them there. Gray slowed, begrudgingly, only once they were four blocks away from the cafe. Will you promise not to do a search on those wrappers? Will you come to dinner? Kimmy countered. Do you promise? I promise, Kimmy said, reluctantly. Come on, let's get some food into us. Kimmy's household consisted of 12 apartments nestled against one another, with a common area for recreation and chatter, and a dining room that could accommodate the inhabitants and their guests. Kimmy urged Gray to clean up first, persuading them that every bit of respectability helped. Gray rolled their eyes at her, but emerged from the bathroom cleaner. The aromas wafting from the dining room made Kimmy's mouth water. It was a relief to bask in the smells of the spices and sauces that the household liked to cook with. Kimmy had gotten out of helping to cook for the past few days, preferring to spend her time seeking Gray out. Still, she contributed by being diligent about doing the dishes when she got home. Kimmy hoped everyone would remain civil about her choice of guest. She was starting to feel optimistic when they ran into her roommate, Mari. Kimmy, Mari exclaimed. I wasn't sure you'd show. She frowned at Gray. Shouldn't you be catching up with your household? I invited Gray. Is there a problem? Kimmy asked. It was rude for Mari to confront Gray about their household status. Strictly speaking, it was an internal household matter. You should know. Mari glanced around, then lowered her voice. She met Kimmy's gaze squarely, then said to Gray, there have been people agitating to freeze you out if you don't shape up soon. You're messing with your household score. Was Mari being passive aggressive, or did she intend the warning sincerely? Freezing was usually the last resort before the elders sentenced someone to social rehab. You should eat, Mari added, returning her attention to Kimmy. Most everyone's done, but there's plenty left for you, Kimmy. I made them save some of that agua fresca you like so much. The remark was innocent enough. Gray's expression didn't change, but they didn't know Mari as well as Kimmy did. The way she kept ignoring Gray was unmistakably impolite. Kimmy hated being pulled between her roommate and her friend like this. Thank you, Kimmy said, hoping to smooth things over. Gray likes it too. Mari's face went blank. Then she turned and walked away. Kimmy flushed in anger. Gray leaned over and whispered in her ear. No big deal, they said cynically. I'll see myself out. No, stay, she said, more sharply than she'd intended. I don't think this is such a good. Kimmy dragged Gray into the dining room with her. Gray made a point of serving themselves the same foods that she did. So she picked out things that she knew they liked, such as grilled eggplant and tabbouleh. They quirked a small sideways smile at her ingratitude. It almost made her feel better. Even though there was plenty of space, 
The two of them sat near the end of the table. The only other people in the dining room were three adults and a younger teen fretting over homework. Good to see you, Kimmy, lanky Mr. L called out. He insisted that everyone call him that because his last name was Polish, both long and hard to pronounce. The fact that he gave a different last name every time someone insisted on hearing it didn't help. The other adults didn't pause in their heated discussion of a man at their office who kept bringing in baked goods and interrupting everyone at their desks and tanking everyone's healthy workplace scores. How are your dailies, Mr. L? Gray cut in. You were supposed to act normal, Kimmy hissed. Honestly, she wanted to help Gray fit in enough to stay out of trouble. Nope, I don't mind, Mr. L said to Kimmy's aggravation. Nice to see a young person taking an interest. He looked pointedly at Kimmy. How did he know that she barely paid attention to her dailies anyway? Is there anything the household doesn't track? She was starting to wonder if the old townies were onto something after all. Kimmy stammered. I've been so distracted. I don't mean to relax, Mr. L said, smiling. When I was your age, I didn't care about politics either. But it's good for the whole household to get engaged, you know? Kimmy wanted to look up the household's civic engagement scores to see if they'd tanked recently. Why else would Mr. L be hassling her about the dailies? She already had to feign interest when people discussed the candidates at school. Was it too much to hope that she could escape having to talk about the upcoming election at home, too? That's what I've been telling Kimmy, Grace said, a blatant lie. But it distracted Mr. L. Kimmy mouthed a thank you when Mr. L wasn't looking. I've been impressed by the way the dre- Ms. Mond- has a plan to bring the control towns forward into the future. They've been allowed to freeload for far too long, and Kimmy suppressed laughter as Mr. L nodded sagely in response to Gray's bullshit. Or was it bullshit? It surprised her that they had been paying that much attention to politics. Gray was able to rattle off parts of the dragon's platform of which she was only peripherally aware. Everything from more stringent environmental protections to proposed expansions of the household monitoring system. How are you going to enforce compliance, though? Mr. L asked. That's a big ask for police. I like the idea of having new towns partner with existing ones while getting their sentinels set up, Gray said, as if they didn't spend all their time avoiding sentinels. Not wanting to draw attention to herself, Kimmy studied the candidates' posters on the walls, especially the dragons. The dragon looked subtly different in every one, and Kimmy wondered which portrayal was the closest to the truth. Any kid could mess with photo manips, and the dragon must have professionals designing her campaign materials. Certainly, the face that had appeared in Kimmy's daily this morning an elegant, middle-aged woman with lantern eyes and a crown of braids 
didn't quite match the depictions in posters, full of chameleon smiles. Gray was the first person Kimmy knew who called her the dragon, but others used the nickname too. It came from her campaign logo, a dragon coiled around the earth, protectively, as one of the household sentinels remarked. Kimmy thought it looked more like a dragon defending its horde, which troubled her. The world is everyone's treasure, the dragon liked to say. We have to take care of ourselves so we can guard our planet. That means bringing everyone into the household system and making sure no one continues the selfish traditions of the past. It was a message that had become increasingly popular with her generation, although the control towns remained holdouts. Everything Gray was describing sounded reasonable. At the moment, they were glibly discussing the dragon's plan to provide tax incentives to compliant towns. Mr. L certainly seemed to approve. Yet Kimmy could tell that Gray didn't like the dragon, even if Mr. L didn't know Gray well enough to detect the undertone of scorn in their voice, the way they spoke too crisply. What does Gray have against the dragon? She wanted to ask, but then Gray finished their speech and thanked everyone still present. The teen had left, no doubt seeking a better study environment. Catch you later, Gray said to Kimmy, yawning. I should get home before someone suggests I need a curfew. Frustrated, Kimmy went to bed early, waking once when Mari padded into the room. Don't mind me, Mari murmured. Looks like you've had a day. We can talk later. Yes, Kimmy thought miserably. She wasn't sure Mari was the person she'd go to with her questions. Mari had made it clear that she didn't approve of Gray, and Kimmy wasn't optimistic that complaining about election season would go over well either. It annoyed Kimmy that Mari would rather be seen agreeing with everyone than indicate her own opinion. But she couldn't point this fact out without starting a fight. So Kimmy mumbled a non-committal response and closed her eyes. Some hours later, she woke from uneasy dreams of merfolk sharing candy bars in a parody of a feast. Amber light sliced into the room from the window. Kimmy eased herself up and rubbed the sand from her eyes when she saw a shadow moving outside. Kimmy got up and tiptoed over to the window. Someone was standing across the street, a dark figure in a dark coat. They raised something to their face, binoculars? Her breath caught, and she hastily edged away from the window. The stranger had been looking at her. The stranger lowered their hand, then brought it up again. This time, she couldn't figure out what it was doing until a shadowy shape resembling a leaf fluttered down. Kimmy was certain it wasn't a leaf, but a candy bar wrapper. Kimmy? She almost bit through her tongue in alarm. Mari had woken and was blinking at her in confusion. Go back to sleep, Kimmy said, hating how her voice shook. I just, I just need to go for a run. At this hour? 
Mari sat up and reached for her shoes. I'll come with you. You'll need company. Her voice was soft, understanding. It made Kimmy unreasonably want to slam the door on her, even though she hadn't done anything wrong. No, I mean, that's sweet of you, but come on, Mari said, still good-humored, despite the fact that it was 3 a.m. You have the worst ideas, but what are roommates for? You'd do the same for me if I couldn't sleep. Once that might have been true. They'd spent a lot of time together when they'd first become roommates. Kimmy missed those days, but she'd fallen into Gray's orbit, and Mari had pulled away. Oh, she hadn't been jealous exactly. She simply didn't get Gray. Never mind all the times, Kimmy wasn't sure she got Gray either. The fact remained, however, that Mari wouldn't understand the urge to investigate a mystery like this one. Mari would suggest something sensible, like waking one of the sentinels to report the incident. Then the adults would investigate, or fail to investigate, and Kimmy wouldn't learn anything. They'd just tell her to concentrate on her studies and bringing her household participation scores back up. Kimmy desperately needed to shed Mari so she could check on the stranger alone. Not wanting to miss her opportunity, Kimmy reached for the most hurtful thing she could think of. What, are you low on points and that's the only thing you can think of, even at this time of night? Mari's entire face crumpled. You know that's not it, she said. I'm just worried that, save it. By then, Kimmy had yanked on her own shoes. She felt ridiculous venturing out in her pajamas, even under her jacket, but time was of the essence. Don't look for me, Kimmy swept past Mari. Kimmy, I don't think this is such a good, Kimmy slammed the door. Vindictive glee swept through her at the sight of Mari's hurt face. After a lifetime of doing her best to get along with everyone, Kimmy was shocked by herself. A small voice in the back of her head told her that she was going to regret this. Kimmy ran out of the bedroom and down the hall, crashing into the main door. Her hand shook so badly that it took her several tries to work the latch and open the door. At least she wouldn't have to explain herself to a sentinel at this hour, unless Mari reported her which Mari might well do. She'd better hurry. The cold air hit Kimmy like a slap to the face. She stared into darkness, interrupted by pools of yellow light, blinking back involuntary tears before she gathered her wits and sprinted toward the stranger. Except they were gone. Or were they? She glimpsed the fluttering of a coat, and more dark leaf shapes flickering near grass and clover. Distracted, she tripped over the curb and barely broke the fall with her hands. For several moments, Kimmy sobbed at the jolt of pain in her ankle, the scrapes on her palms and knees. Then she dragged herself to her feet and limped onto the sidewalk. Kimmy reached the spot where the stranger had been standing. It was littered with candy bar wrappers. She picked one up, nose wrinkling at the sickly sweet smell. 
she swiped her phone on as a source of illumination. The rapper said, chocolate dreams. Kimmy's stomach clenched. She wasn't going to eat chocolate for the rest of the year. She jabbed at her phone to see if she could tag the site for cleanup. The hairs prickled on the back of her neck as her ears caught a slight click, like metal on metal. Kimberly Chang, said a low voice. It cut her like glass, so smooth that one didn't realize one had started bleeding until after the fact. That's not going to work. Slowly, Kimmy lifted her head and stared at the stranger, who was toying with a fully wrapped candy bar. I'm not part of your town, the stranger said, gesturing with the candy bar. I don't care about points for going on walks or getting along with my coworkers or any of the asinine things that you people occupy yourselves with. My game is for higher stakes. Go back to bed, Kimberly, and apologize to your roommate. Why does your game involve sneaking around at this hour, Kimmy demanded. She couldn't imagine anyone encouraging this kind of behavior unless the stranger grinned at her. I'm going to report you. Keeping an eye on certain disruptive individuals, of course. There's always a market for black male material. Her face went hot. She hadn't kicked up that much of a fuss, had she? Or were they referring to Gray? I'm not, not what, disruptive? The stranger gestured dismissively. Ask your household elders what they think of your behavior, the way you breeze past your dailies every morning, and pay more attention to that nosy friend of yours than to your roommate or housemates. And you haven't been jogging regularly, not with your exercise group, anyway. Your points have been slipping, and it will reflect on your household's reputation and monetary allotment. What are you going to do about that? Although Kimmy was used to the computers and her community monitoring everything she did, it bothered her to have a complete stranger recite her misdeeds. She raised her phone to snap a picture of the stranger so she could tell the household elders about them later. Kimmy's phone blinked once, brightly, then powered itself off. She gaped at it. What? Sorry about that, the stranger said unapologetically. In my world, I lose points for leaving a record of my passage. Then why talk to me at all, she demanded. After all, the stranger could have hightailed it before Kimmy got close. She couldn't help being intrigued by this offhand detail. It reminded her of playing an assassin in the live action games. Certainly it sounded more fun than jogging and faking enthusiasm for vegetables. Because you don't listen to the dailies, and that means you might be useful someday, the stranger said, 
which made no sense after they'd upbraided her. You should pay more attention, the way your friend Gray does. They grinned. Gray's already playing my game. They just don't realize it yet. If you're going to be next, you should jump in with your eyes open. The stranger began striding away. Wait, Kimmy called out. What does Gray have to do with this? And why do the dailies matter? She started after them, but they had already made it to a- A car? A car, sleek and black, looking more expensive than anything she'd seen in the neighborhood. It didn't have a license plate either. Tum found it. Kimmy watched as it drove off. Mari didn't speak to Kimmy the next morning, despite Kimmy's attempt to apologize. Mari was normally forgiving, but even her tolerance had limits. She'll come around, Kimmy told herself. Kimmy wasn't sure how much she cared anymore, though. If her own roommate was going to treat her like the enemy, why bother trying to make nice? Kimmy paid closer attention to her dailies this time. Today's took the form of an interview with the four leading candidates, including the dragon. The status of control towns was a much bigger issue than she'd realized. She ran through key quotes from the candidates. Dr. Wynn, the importance of communities' right of self-determination is paramount. It must be preserved at all costs, despite the possibility of inequitable health outcomes. Kimmy made a face at the way he was clearly trying to impress his listeners with fancy intellectual talk. Candidate James, whom Kimmy remembered as the dark horse. The game is anti-American. The true heart of the nation lies in the so-called control towns. Vote James to get rid of government interference. Candidate Lopez. Now that we've proven that the game makes everyone healthier, it's time to phase out the control towns. We don't need to keep relics of the old days. This is a step we should have undertaken years ago. And at last, Ms. Mond, the dragon. I've heard a lot of complicated talk about the control towns, but it boils down to something simple. We're meant to be one nation united in the goal of preserving our planet. The control towns stand in defiance of this goal. It's that simple. Kimmy was used to dailies lasting roughly 15 minutes. But today, she received a follow-up message after the daily. I'm so glad you're taking an interest, the dragon said. She winked. Shaken, Kimmy skipped school, not even feigning sickness. It was odd. For one thing, the dailies were organized so that every candidate received equal time. Customizing the message to each recipient was standard, but she'd never received anything like this before. Did Gray? Is that why they're so interested in the dragon? Even if they don't support her? To her shame, she could see why the dragon's personal interests could be seductive, being treated like an independent adult like someone whose opinions mattered, made her breathless with excitement. She bet Gray felt the same way. 
Maybe that's why Gray had drifted away from the game with its hollow promises and into this other world with its own stakes. Today, the household scoreboard showed that they were dead average at keeping their streets and yard clean. She checked the neighborhood task list, emptying the garbage, checking in on disabled neighbors, preparing healthy snacks, showing up to work or class on time, the usual. The scoreboard cycled through other displays. Besides the aggregate health indicators, it tracked productivity both at work and in school, sociability, club activities like scrapbooking or basketball, and live action games. No mention of the rappers, neither on the tab for pending tasks, nor the list of completed tasks. It was as if they didn't exist at all. Kimmy hurried out the door without looking back, despite the sentinel hollering after her. At this hour, the people she passed were on the way to school or to work. Many of them gave her sideways glances since she ought to head to class, and yet she was walking in the wrong direction. Some snapped photos, bad news for her. The instant they uploaded to the system, everyone would know where she was. The question was, would anyone in her household pursue her? Kimmy hastened to the place in the park where Gray had shown her the wrappers. No one had cleaned them up or tagged them for cleanup just as before. By now, the wind had strewn them about, so the mess had spread, a fitting metaphor for her life at present. Out of stubbornness, Kimmy perched on one of the nearby benches, then tagged the site not only for cleanup, but also for neighborhood watch. After all, if random unfriendly strangers were wandering through, littering might not be the worst thing they were up to. The town had a low crime rate, but that was dependent on everyone staying vigilant. Littering was a low priority tag. Maybe escalating the tag would get someone's attention. Even if most folks were at school or work, someone might add it to their to-do list, and she should see that. Instead, the tag vanished, again. Kimmy's mouth went dry. She could pick up the candy bar wrappers, points or no points, but then the evidence would be gone. Despite what her eyes told her, she was starting to doubt the wrappers were really there based on the way the game software kept responding to her tags. Although she'd get grief for cutting class, Kimmy headed home. Uncle Charles, who was old enough to be her grandfather, was on Sentinel. Bad day? He asked, face crinkled in concern. Uncle, she said, is Grand Leslie at home? I need to talk to them in private. Charles frowned at her. You need someone to walk you to the clinic? It's not that kind of trouble. If only her problems could be fixed by a chat, however mortifying, with a doctor or counselor. The households kept changing how they addressed that kind of checkup. On the one hand, they wanted to encourage people to get health care, especially if it later prevented bigger problems. But they also wanted to avoid encouraging people to seek expensive procedures when they weren't necessary. Still, that didn't stop people from seeking unlicensed medical care because they didn't want everyone knowing about their problems.
Poor health scores could affect the household standings, which Kimmy had always thought unfair. It wasn't as though people got sick on purpose. His eyes narrowed. It's gray, isn't it? I think they're in trouble, Kimmy said. She was so relieved that someone cared about Gray that she answered before thinking the consequences through. Maybe to do with the elections, Uncle Charles clucked. Come inside, then. Kimmy did so. Uncle fired off a text, and another elder came to take his place as sentinel. Kimmy and Uncle Charles found Graham Leslie helping a new mother with her little. Gran looked up, their expression impatient. Let me clean up first, Kimmy blurted out, aware of how sweaty she was. I'm not fit to be around a baby that small. I'll get them sick. Gran started to chastise her for not planning ahead, to say nothing of running around in her pajamas. Kimmy bolted to her bedroom. There, she came to a dead stop. Mari. She looked Kimmy up and down. Kimmy winced. We need to talk, Mari said quietly. I don't want to take this to the house elders. This was a complication Kimmy didn't need. They already called me in to talk to them, she said, which wasn't entirely a lie. Oh, Mari said. She bit her lip. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't think, as Mari spilled out her concerns, Kimmy rummaged in her dresser for fresh clothes. Her fingers closed on a blank sheet of paper, and she frowned. Is someone pranking me? Then she flipped it over, careful to shield the view of the paper from Mari with her body. And her heart almost seized. It was Gray's handwriting. The dragons behind everything. She wondered when Gray had snuck into her room. Everyone knew Kimmy and Gray were friends. It wouldn't have been difficult for them to come up with some pretext like picking up homework. While the cameras tracked Gray's movements, Gray would take advantage of their false sense of security. Kimmy thrust the note into her pocket. Kimmy, a voice called. It was Uncle Charles. Gran's ready for you. She's in here, Mari called out, helpful as ever. I'll be right there. I'm headed to the shower right now, Kimmy shouted back. With Mari right here, Kimmy needed an exit strategy. She had to get to Gray and learn what they knew. Her instincts screamed at her to run. Instead, she said, listen, I'm sorry about last night. Don't worry about it, Mari said, gracious in victory. Go get your shower. Kimmy forced herself to walk at a normal pace to the bathroom. How had her life spiraled out of control like this? Sure, she'd been restless, impatient with the strictures of the town society. But she hadn't expected to find herself at odds with her community. Yet, if she admitted it to herself, part of her thrilled at breaking loose from the stupid rules she'd faked adherence to all her life. After closing the door, she turned on the shower, not bothering with hot water, cold would do. She just needed to make it sound like she was in there.
Kimmy shed her pajamas and wadded them up out of sight in the closet, then pulled her fresh clothes, socks, and shoes back on. Making sure the coast was clear, Kimmy slipped out of the bathroom, shutting the door behind her as quietly as possible. She almost cursed when a ponytailed little rounded the corner and careened into her. It's okay, Kimmy whispered, crouching down so as not to spook them. I'm playing hide and seek. Don't tell anyone you saw me. The little nodded, wide-eyed. Kimmy relaxed. Just as she edged toward the door in freedom, however, she heard them shout gleefully, She's here! Kimmy's here! Come get her! Kimmy gave up on stealth and bolted. Fortunately, her longer legs gave her an advantage. Behind her, she heard the little's giggles. The sentinel started to her feet as Kimmy ran by, but she shook off the older woman with ease. Kimmy kept up the sprint as long as she could, letting her feet choose the way, until her lungs burned and tears stung her eyes, only to wind up at Gray's favorite tree. Is it too obvious? Will the household send out an alert to bring me back home? Someone might seek her here. A candy bar wrapper had stuck to her shoe, but she was too busy wheezing, doubled over to peel it off. After she had regained her breath, she straightened and ran her fingers over the tree's bark. Wait a second. Someone had carved letters into the bark. She remembered Gray defacing the trunk earlier. It couldn't be a coincidence. The graffiti read, Old Town Dead Bridge. Had Gray thought that leaving messages on trees was safer than texting? Then, she remembered that the household monitored texts. Besides, if everyone kept avoiding the candy bar wrappers, people might be less likely to investigate a site like this. Kimmy didn't have a knife on her, but she did have keys for a house, even though it was rarely locked. The keys served more as a symbol that she belonged to the household. Silently apologizing to the tree, Kimmy scratched over Gray's graffiti, until the text could no longer be read. Although Kimmy wanted to head directly to the old town dead bridge, she checked Gray's household first, just to be thorough. A pair of adults was arriving early from work. She avoided meeting their eyes. It was clear from their expressions that they recognized her as Gray's friend, and that they didn't have a high opinion of Gray, or of her. Gray, the sentinel said after Kimmy made herself understood. She'd always been clumsier at sign language than she liked, and this elder was partly deaf. Shame about the kid. The authorities will look after them. Kimmy thanked the sentinel and walked away before he could spot the panic in her expression. With any luck, Gray had skipped out before the household elders could send them to live with the socially uncooperative and their caretakers. Kimmy didn't think Gray was ill, but she wasn't confident of Gray's ability to convince folks otherwise. She had to find Gray and persuade them to act properly, at least long enough so their household score could recover. Kimmy took the bus to Old Town. Despite its proximity, 
it was technically a control town. A number of people in the town held jobs there, mainly in construction, urban design, and environmental reclamation. She remembered the dead bridge to which she was headed, which was missing an entire segment from the middle. It had been damaged in a tornado years ago and was still being rebuilt. Most of the other passengers kept to themselves. One dour woman eyed Kimmy sidelong, then frowned at her phone. Was Kimmy the subject of an alert? It was a relief when she reached her stop and could leave the strangers behind. Kimmy walked at a brisk pace toward the bridge Gray had indicated. The whole place felt cold. The few gardens she spotted were choked by weeds, making the dismal streets and gray buildings even uglier. Far from neighborly, people scowled and ignored one another. Water fountains were few and far between. None of this would have been tolerated in the town that Kimmy inhabited. Surely the people who lived here didn't want to continue living like this. Yet, if the dailies were to be believed, a significant number of controlled townies wanted to maintain their way of life. She wondered if controlled townies put up with sentinels. Only a few people sat on the porches, and one of them had already gotten most of the way through a six-pack. She doubted he was paying attention to the street. The thought of freedom from constant surveillance left her giddy with possibility. At last, she reached the bridge. It overlooked a small river. Although the water levels were low this time of year, the safety railings were new. But they wouldn't stop someone determined to jump. Kimmy shivered. Gray wouldn't. Kimberly? A familiar voice said. She whirled to face the stranger, whose name she'd never gotten. They stood in the shadow of a wall with faded graffiti. Gray accompanied them, hunched, not looking at her. They'd slung an unfamiliar green backpack over one shoulder. It was the exact hue of the earth in the dragon's campaign logo. Gray, Kimmy called out. Sorry I caught you up in all this, Gray said, their voice strained. Kimmy smiled at them, trying to project reassurance despite the nervous thumping of her heartbeat. Is the stranger threatening Gray? Showing fear or regret was very unlike her friend. The stranger held out a phone toward Gray. Gray accepted it. What's the phone for? Kimmy demanded. Answers, Gray said. Questions, the stranger said simultaneously. Gray fished in their pocket, then handed the stranger their old phone, the one with the purple case that matched Kimmy's own. She didn't know why it hurt her so. You can't just give it away, Kimmy said. That's, don't need it where I'm going, Gray said. Kimmy didn't understand. I should say goodbye to my household elders, though, they added. Kimmy's panic crescendoed. Where was Gray headed, and why wasn't she included? I can drive you, the stranger said. No, Kimmy said firmly. She wanted a chance to question Gray without the stranger listening in. 
The stranger lifted an eyebrow at Gray. Gray nodded. Kimmy suppressed an irrational surge of jealousy. On the bus ride home, Kimmy's attempts to talk to Gray were met by silence and a discreet, disapproving glance toward the other bus riders. She got the message. They couldn't afford to be overheard by strangers. She walked Gray to their household. The sentinel stopped them and fired off a report. I'm sorry, she said. You've been evicted. That fast? Without a hearing or? Gotta pick up my stuff. Gray was unfazed. Unless you want it. They grinned like a predator at the sentinel. No, the sentinel said after half a beat. Go ahead. Kimmy followed Gray in, whispering. You're going away? For good? She ached to join them. The prospect simultaneously terrified her and excited her. Just watch, Gray said in a maddeningly normal voice. They continued to the common room, where several people were passing around a vegetable tray and others were playing cards. Several people eyed Gray and Kimmy uncertainly. A little stared at Gray and asked in a piercing voice, what are they still doing here? Gray unzipped the green backpack and flung a cornucopia's worth of candy bars onto the floor. All of them, chocolate dreams. Kimmy gagged at the whiff of chocolate, wrinkling her nose at the haze of caramel and artificial flavors. The room went dead silent. You can't do that, Kimmy said to Gray. They'll never take you back if you- Too late for that, Gray said, their mouth twisting. You want one? There's plenty. Kimmy choked back a hysterical laugh. Suddenly, she was tempted to grab a fistful, to gorge on the chocolate without consequence. People averted their eyes from the candy bars. They didn't even take out their phones. It was as if they knew reporting Gray wouldn't do any good. You're sticking me with this mess? Kimmy snapped. The tension was getting to her. She'd meant to say, I'm not leaving you but it had come out wrong. I can't exist in two places anymore, Gray said. They then pivoted on their heel and walked out of the common room. After a stunned second, Kimmy hurried after them. Where are you going to live now? She demanded. They had reached the foyer with its scoreboard. The bar representing community integration had peaked, because Gray was no longer counted as one of the household residents. The image blinked, then was replaced by the dragon's logo. Kimmy froze. The dragon isn't real, Gray said in a hushed voice, but she takes care of her own. That's where I'm going. What do you mean she isn't real? Kimmy asked to cover the spike of fear that went through her at the prospect of losing her one friend. She's not a single person. She's a bunch of elites harvesting our data so they can control the country. Politicians and the rich, tech wizards, 
shadow syndicates. She's going to win this election, and I'd rather work for a winner. Gray opened the door and headed outside. It made a certain sick sense. She could even sympathize with Gray's decision to cash in. Better a player than the played. She'd learned that in the game, even if it wasn't the lesson its designers had intended. The dragon's agent found out about some of the black market meds from Old Town I've been peddling. Gray said, stuff my household would frown upon, like a politician who struggles with depression or a teacher who doesn't want anyone to know they get panic attacks, or all the students who don't want their households to know they're on birth control, or I get it, Kimmy said. But if the dragon's not a single person, then what about the dailies? Some actor, they said. Grace stopped a few yards from the sleek black car that waited outside could be computer generated, but the people puppeteering the dragon study numbers to find out what we'll buy and how we'll vote. Money and power. We make it easy by telling them everything about us, fads and food and clothing and entertainment. And they're about to expand into the control towns too. Kimmy's expression must have conveyed her disbelief because Gray added, I can prove it. They pulled out the phone, dialed a contact, then handed it over to her. The phone rang once before someone picked up. A warm contralto answered. Hello, Kimmy. The dragon's voice. Kimmy swallowed. Everything your friend has told you is true, the dragon said. You're not real? Are numbers real, Kimmy? Our ideals? I'm as real as you need me to be. Am I? Have you gotten me kicked out of my household too? She couldn't imagine that the dragon would share this information with her, then let her return to her life. The dragon ignored the question. Just think of what I could do for the nation if you let me. I can always use more agents. People who know the truth. People like Gray and yourself. You mean, people who can't go back home, Kimmy said. Kimmy's eyes found Gray's. Their guilty expression told her that they'd already heard this offer. Heard and accepted. Who was she to criticize? Kimmy didn't have many options left having alienated herself from her household. She'd already drifted out of the safe, easy life the town had offered her. At least if she went with the stranger, she would still have the friend she'd left it for. Besides, she was tired of pretending to be another meek student. If she worked for the dragon, she could learn how the system worked, maybe slant the situation to her advantage. She wanted to pull the strings rather than being another puppet. Okay, Kimmy said. I'll do it. Excellent, the dragon said. Get in the car. 
the connection went dead. Chocolate bar? Gray asked as they both entered the car. I saved you one. This time, Kimmy accepted. <laughs>